Hey everybody, welcome into Salt City FC. My name is Jay Catch, joined as always by my fearless co-host and compatriot, Sean Walker. Sean, how are you, bud? Jake, it's an honor to be here with you. And I gotta tell you, even if before this show you were plying away, just grinding out in the German second division, I feel like you're the MVP of this podcast. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That's a Demir Krylock reference right there. Of course, Demir Krylock, um, he is the hero this week. And for the reason why, of course, his two goals lead RSL to a 2-1 much-needed victory over the Chicago Fire Saturday night at Rio Tinto Stadium. Um, gets RSL back in a decent spot after they had let some points slip in the previous three matches. Sean, I guess uh, first things first, what was your overall takeaway from that match? I, I think it was just that. I mean, it's their first win and I think five, four or five matches going on being just kind of grinding out ties for the most part during yeah. that run. Uh, RSL needed a win so bad um, and they got it in a very unusual way. I mean, Demir Krylock started the game alongside Kyle Beckerman, but you saw as the game went further and further along, he kind of started to inch his way slowly, yeah, uh, more and more up the field. I think that was and it paid off at the end. Well, I think the coaches almost told him to do that. I think it was an encouraged thing because they. I think they, I think the the coaches realized Chicago's doing nothing to really press our back line. So Demir, yeah, press up the field, go up the field. Let's 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 create things, Sean. Um, our good friend Matt Doyle. Okay, okay, can we call him a good friend if he hasn't been on the podcast? We'll get him on. Okay, we'll get him on. We'll get we'll Matt get Doyle on. on. Matt Doyle from MLSsoccer.com. He had a very good point of what Demir Krylock's um, his his growth with RSL this season has really been interesting because he said he noticed that the runs that Krylock made to score his goals he called them Frank Lampard esque. Oh, and, and okay. not and not in the okay. Not in the, I guess, effusive praise category, more of the kind of the trademark style that Frank Lampard used to do when he played in the Premier League. Frank would run to the center of the goal from his midfield spot. The forwards would almost flare out. One would go to the back post, one would go to the near post, and here comes Frank Lampard just running up the gut, splitting center backs and scoring goals. And that's exactly, if you go back and watch the film, that's exactly what Demir did on Saturday night. Yeah, and it's and it's been an opening just off of the back post that I think Real Salt Lake has had open more often than not. It's because so the fact that they're finally yeah. recognizing it and they're finally seeing it and able to take advantage of it. Granted, against a team like Chicago, not the greatest of no. competition in the league, but still being able to take advantage of that shows that this team is learning and growing and improving still. And as Matt Doyle points seasons. out, you can look at this MLSsoccer.com. It's his Week 23 review column, which is absolutely phenomenal. I read it every week. So I learn a lot from, from Matt. He is much more versed in soccer tactics, knowledge, etc. than I will ever be. But he also mentions the fact the reason why that channel has opened up is because Corey Baird likes to naturally go to the back post. So he pulls a guy with him and it opens up that channel and Demir has been smart enough to run that center channel and look what happens. Weird. Back post runs. Like, I know. It's like they open up soccer in so many ways. I shocking. wonder why more teams don't use them. It's shocking, hmm, isn't it? Strange. It's kind of funny that way. I don't know anything about soccer, though. I no. stopped playing when I was 10. We're two, we're two dudes that don't really play, but we like to talk about it. So there you go. But yeah, Sean, a big win for Real Salt Lake. Um, they'll try and follow that up this weekend. Uh, they're at home against another Eastern Conference foe, the Montreal Impact, to make the long trek to, to Sandy, Utah, to, to the riot. Uh, Montreal is a team that... I can never get a read on these guys. Be it that they're in the Eastern Conference, I don't see a ton of their their their, their matches. But I just feel like I, I never get a, a firm read on what Montreal is and what they're going to be when they show up to face Real Salt Lake. Yeah, Montreal in a lot of ways, uh, kind of like RSL. They're they're almost the Eastern Conference version of RSL uh, in many ways. They're a playoff team, at least right now in the Eastern Conference, nine thirteen and two overall. Very good at home. They've had some very good results at home. Uh, they're also a little befuddling on the road, though. T- t- two nine and one when oh, moving away hey, from that Estadio sounds familiar. Olympique. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So this is. I mean, I think this is another opportunity for for RSL. Every home match you're going to hear it's an opportunity to pick up three points. Three points are a must uh, when you're at home. But this is another one I think where RSL really needs to put their stamp on this match and claim all three points. Um, put in a full 90-minute effort because as as we've seen the last couple of weeks, Jake, 
this team isn't good enough to take time off. They can't just out-talent teams for 45, 50, maybe 60 minutes at a time. They've got to put in a full 90 minutes of work to get results out of every single match. Otherwise, it's just not good. I mean, I think Mike Pecky has used those words himself. It's just not good enough. Otherwise, so yeah, it's they have been punished multiple times for 10, 15 minute lapses in these matches, Sean, that just get them reeling and they never recover. So, like you said, they need to be engaged for a full 90, take care of business, collect the three points. I believe this would run if they if they get a result on Saturday night, it runs their home unbeaten record to 12 in a row. I believe they've only lost 12 unbeaten. Yeah, it was was the home opener, they lost to LAFC 5 1. We all saw it, but since then. Real Salt Lake's avoided any losses at home, so this would be a big, another big win, another and big win also in terms of the playoff ratio. Yeah. We're in the, we're in the stretch run here, and with Seattle having get matches in hand on Real Salt Lake and nipping at their heels, RSL needs to collect points. Yeah, they got to take advantage of of any home games left the rest of the season. Like you mentioned, nine zero and two since mm-hmm. that drubbing by LAFC in the home opener. Uh, But I really think this team has learned from that. I think they've gone a lot better at home. And like I said, it's just that consistent effort now that they're looking at over 90 minutes. When they do that, they're usually in a pretty good shape. When they don't, as young players and young teams are prone to do, that's when they're really in trouble. So. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's definitely that way. All right, Sean, I must just shift our attention to another team that won on the weekend. This one was a lot more fun in terms of how it how it went down. The Utah Royals and not at home and not at home on the road. The Utah Royals go on the road to Houston. Um, they go down one nil in the first half. It was first half, correct? When Houston tallied their mm-hmm. goal, yeah, right, right, uh, right at the start of stoppage time. Yeah, exactly. I think so, the first half. So it was a tough right around the forty five minute mark. It was tough to see them go down in the first half, but the Royals claw their way back, score two second half goals, end up walking away with the three points. Really helped themselves playoff wise, keep their playoff hopes alive because. For many, in many cases, they lose that match, and it might have been, hey, we'll see you next year for the playoffs. But this keeps them alive. A 2 1 win at Houston. I really thought this was a fun comeback for the Royals. Uh, no, fun Fun is probably a good way to describe it. Maybe not so fun for Laura Harvey. Yeah, if you're a coach, uh, absolutely not. But she'll, she'll absolutely take that result. You know, Laura Harvey has never lost a game in her NWSL career. To the Houston Dash. Wow. Uh, she's now, uh, Houston is now, uh, I had the number earlier off the top of my th- head, I think 0 11 and 1 all time against clubs coached by Laura Harvey. Holy smokes. Uh, they look to be on their way to their first ever win against yeah. the Harvester. Um, but she just <laughs> tore their heart one. out again and, and said, uh, no. yeah, and then, uh, Chatty Cathy Amber Brooks decides to uh, maybe mess around a little bit with the ball in the back, and Ugh. Kristen Press pounces on it, and all of a sudden, I know it was only the equalizer, Katie Stengel with a fantastic game winner, but I feel like Kristen Press's goal right there to equalize completely changed the tenor of this game. Uh, Utah just looked to be more attacking after that. They looked for chances. They realized, oh, hey, we're not out of this. Let's go. Let's, it's fine. I mean, even right after, even right after, uh, press scores that goal you can see all the players run up to her and they're mobbing her and celebrating like soccer players do right yes um and kristen kristen's going it's fine let's go let's go let's go keep moving hurry up get yeah the she understood that the the game was afoot like you could really steal points if you if you stayed on it and yeah katie katie stengel um i'm calling it the two hopper <laughs> Gold, the double chip the double chip yeah the two hopper because the double chocolate chip delight yeah it was hey she got it around the keeper. The keeper tried to get her hand on it and ends up in the back of the goal, and you walk away with a 2-1 win. Yeah, Stengel Dooley gets credit for that goal, but how about Erica Timrak with that yes. assist, looping yep. it right over with that first chip? Uh, she's quietly becoming a little bit... We, we call Brittany Radcliffe the North Carolina killer mm-hmm. for the Royals. Erica Timrak's quietly becoming a Houston killer. She had that like game it. winner at the riot yeah. uh, against the Dash, yep. and now she sets up the game winner on the road in Houston. Um I don't know what it is, but there are certain players in certain matchups with this Royals team that are just particularly lethal. Absolutely. Um, of course, Laura Harvey never won to mince words when it comes to her analysis of games. So our featured audio of the week, I guess we'll call it audio, and say it's not really an interview with us, but it is an interview. It's her post-game comments after the 2-1 win. So here you go. Here is head coach Laura Harvey after the 2-1 win for the Utah Royals. 
Laura Harvey is joining us from pitch side right now. Smile on her face and justifiably so. Laura, congratulations. Thank you. We worked hard for it. Well, this feels pretty massive tonight, doesn't it? Yeah, huge. Um, I said to the players at the end there, I felt in the first half we played really, really well. Um, we caused them a lot of problems in between. We just couldn't find that final pass and that final finish. Um, I'm obviously conceding off set pieces, disappointing. Then I thought in the second half, actually, they made it harder for us to play. Um, but just so happy the girls stuck with it, kept working hard. And yeah, I agree with you guys. I think the moment we got the equaliser, there was only one winner. Laura, the last two times that you played against Houston, while you were able to get a win, you weren't able to create that many offensive opportunities. Second half of this game looked totally different. What do you attribute to your offense just being so much more dangerous? I felt the substitutes just really made a difference. Uh, The fresh legs and coming on in this heat. I felt Taylor, Erica and Steng worked really hard off the work that Amy and um, Kristen and Diana had already done up there. And, you know, they just kept the ball, moved the ball quickly at pace, which we'd started to drop off when we got tired. And and then, yeah, I felt that even for Kristen's goal, I felt the work Taylor and Steng did initially to force them back really caused them a problem. Laura, it kind of feels, of course, like every game's a must-win for you yeah. guys heading down the stretch. And, yeah, it's only three points in the standings, but it feels like there's an extra value added to it for the maybe the shot of confidence it might give you coming home now. 100%. You know, we had a three-game week uh, a while ago, and we were so disappointed not to get a win in any of those three games. And we knew that tonight was going to be a huge opportunity to get three points, um, and we've got to take this momentum now into Wednesday. Well, whether or not you know it, Laura, first time this year that your side have won a game after conceding first to a really great comeback. I didn't know that, no, but I'll take it. Well done. Thanks. That was Utah Royals FC head coach Laura Harvey with the uh, Royals broadcast team, Greg Rubel and Carla Haslam, after the match on Sunday. The Royals have obviously been in a really, really tight space here. Three matches in seven days after the uh, international break for the U.S. soccer-hosted Tournament of Nations. Um, So things are a little bit tight, but really some very pointed comments. And this entire interview, Jake, I know I'm describing, this is, I'm breaking the cardinal rule of radio here. Uh, I'm describing something visual on a podcast, but that entire interview, she had the widest grin, the biggest smile on her face. Um, Very well deserved three points, but you could tell this, this one meant something for her. And maybe it means something for the Royals here going forward for their final five games at home. Absolutely, and one other one other thing to take away from this, Sean, was the kind of the the faux pas of the of the video. We're talking another vis- visual thing. Uh, two of her players just you know moseying around after the game. They won, whatnot, and then they realized another shout out to Erica Timrak. Yeah, Timrak. It was a Timrak. Who was the other player? And uh, Nicole Barnhart. Nicole Barnhart. That's who it was. And they're, they they fi- realized, oh no, we're on t- <laughs> we're on TV. And they kind of scramble and they kind of freeze and they're like and that's your, but then they kind of run out of the, it was just it was it was a classic classic moment when it comes to live live tv that was a lot of fun there sean tomorrow night the utah Royals will be at home they face the washington spirit um big week big week ahead for for the royals to maybe collect some points here and really bolster themselves when it comes to the playoff race uh washington's a team that they they have a chance to pick up some points against uh, i don't think i'm going out going out on a limb saying that but then of course seattle on saturday second best team in in nwsl a little bit more of a challenge yeah the spirit coming into this one with uh a weird team because they've got a lot of talent. Former NWSL Rookie of the Year Ashley Hatch, obviously a headliner there. Uh, U.S. International Rose Lavelle is finally back and healthy and getting back in with the club slowly but surely. But six straight losses for Washington coming off of uh, Sunday night's uh, really drubbing 2-0 at, against Seattle. Um, I know 2-0 doesn't sound like a drubbing, yeah. but they were just they were taken out of this game. Uh, pretty early and pretty often, and uh, and so this is this is another one where the the spirit are they're second to last in the standing, but in the standings. But really, were it, were it not for Sky Blue FC, which is still winless on the year, um, they might be playing their worst soccer of the season right now. Like I mentioned, six straight losses. It's not good. Uh, it's it's a team that has. Uh, been eliminated or all but eliminated mathematically from playoff contention. So I I think this is another opportunity for Laura Harvey's side to pick up three points, go two for two, six points in two games um, in less than four days, uh, one on the road, one at home. And and all of a sudden, uh, the Royals are right back in playoff contention if they can do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's a big week ahead for the Royals. We'll keep you updated on that. Uh, Sean, we had a question come in. We need to get to this. This is a great question. Um, do you want? Should we do it now or should we do it later on? What do you think? Uh, we'll save it here. So we'll save it. We'll come back to it. But it's a great question. We do need to talk about this because this is something that – affects Real Salt Lake going forward, and it definitely is a question that needs to be addressed. All right, Sean, last thing here before we take a break. We need to talk a little bit about another team that didn't play on the weekend. It is the Real Monarchs SLC. Of course, still leading the USL Western Conference. They have a big-time match tomorrow night when they face Reno 1868, who is another top team in the Western Conference. We have seen it from Real, from Real Monarchs when they have kind of have their back against the wall against some of these bigger teams. They've responded well. If they can respond well again, Sean, it only helps to, I guess, solidify themselves atop the conference. Yeah, and, and a big, again, another big home match Wednesday at 8 p.m. out at Zions Bank Stadium in Harriman. If you're around there, if you're not going to the Royals match at the same time, uh, shame on USL and NWSL for not coordinating schedules. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this Monarch side is looking for their 10th straight home victory. I mean, that's impressive. That's something. And against a Reno team that is right on its heels in that Western Conference race, um, I, this is, I, again, I hate, I hate to say a team that's at the top of the standings has a, has a must-win match in front of it, but being at home against a team that's, uh, against a team that's, um, Makes this kind of a six pointer, yeah. if you will. Yeah. I I think this is kind of a must win, uh, for for the Monarchs. Yeah, you no, know, it, it'll be interesting to to see how it shakes out. This team, though, Sean, I've been really impressed with the Monarchs. Their gumption. They always seem when like when they have a big time matchup, they they play their best. So yeah, yeah Sebastian Velasquez is still just an absolute revelation for the team. Uh, Andrew Brody is playing his best soccer of the season right mm-hmm. now. Chandler Hoffman, we we talked last week, uh, getting ready to move back to his hometown to start up Birmingham, the Birmingham Legion. Uh, but before he said now that before he goes, he wants to bring a championship to Zions Bank Stadium, bring a championship to Harriman, uh, and and they're playing like it. They're they're hungry. Um, they they've dropped some points, but they're dropping points on the road in such a way that you like seeing this club disappointed okay. drawing yeah. on the road, drawing at Sacramento, you know, losing at Reno. They're coming off of their uh off of their worst loss to Reno eighteen sixty eight, their first ever loss uh at Crater Nevada Field. And uh, I I think a win in Zions Bank Stadium would probably do a lot to kind of assuage those uh those hurt feelings, if you will. No, oh, absolutely. I think it would do a lot for him. So it would be interesting to see how that plays out. Fun Wednesday night and when it comes to soccer here along the Wasatch Front. Should be a lot of fun. So get out and support one of the two teams. I guess I guess it almost depends on where you live, Sean, where, if you want to, where, which, which way you want to drive because you got, you got Sandy, you got Harriman. Make, take your pick and go enjoy it. Should be a lot of fun. All right, Sean, let's take a timeout. We'll come back. Got to get, get to some news in um, MLS with the transfer window uh, about to close, some trades going down, some rumored moves as well. We also got to talk about the start of the Premier League season this weekend. It gets underway. It all starts back up. So that's all coming up right here on Salt City FC. Welcome back to Salt City FC. Jay Catch, Sean Walker talking soccer with you up and down the Wasatch Front. Sean, um, in MLS news, big trade went down. Uh, Christian Ramirez, who has been... No, we're not talking about Zlatan again. No, we're not talking about Zlatan. We should be talking about Zlatan. We always need to talk about Zlatan. He's, he, he's worth the price of admission alone. Uh, but let's talk a little bit here, Sean. Sweden's Brigham Young, the Lions. <laughs> Sweden's Brigham Young. Wow. I mean, they're both the lion. I did not come to record this podcast and expect to hear the the words Sweden's Brig of Young. They're, they're of both the lion of something. That's a good point. They yeah. are both the lion of something. That's a good point. That's all I'm saying. All right. Shout um, out to the founder of the state of Utah. Sean, you love to text me that insert city name here is black and gold. 
Well, that Christian was, Ramirez is black and gold, Jake. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Christian Ramirez, of course, the forward uh, for Minnesota United FC. He has been traded uh, to LAFC for up to one million dollars in allocation money, uh, two hundred fifty grand in general in GAM, um, and then a bunch of money in tar- uh, in TAM target allocation money. Let's just put it this way: Minnesota United got a lot of money to buy a lot of players over the next few years for trading Christian Ramirez to LAFC. Yeah, and very well deserved. I mean, seven goals and two assists in 20 games this year. He's not even a full-time starter right now, mm-hmm. and yet you can make an argument that he's probably he was probably Minnesota United's second best player behind Darwin Quintero. Yes, absolutely. Um, certainly top three or top four on that team, so very well deserved amount of money. He scored 14 goals uh, a year ago. Um, was yeah, one 14, of the, 14 goals, three assists in their yeah, expansion campaign. Uh, was was one of the best players for that Minnesota team when they uh, were in the NASL mm-hmm. as well. But I think this is also a good move for Ramirez. He's a he's a native of Garden Grove right there in Southern California, just outside the Orange County area. So he gets to come back home, yep. play in front of family and friends, um, and he really helps an LASC team that's. Uh, that's trying to push the playoffs and and do something special in their own inaugural season. Okay, Sean. So here's where I I have an issue. A guy like Christian Ramirez would be awesome for Real Salt Lake right now. Yeah, but do you want to see Christian and Ramirez Christian Ramirez in black and gold or in claret and cobalt? Claret and cobalt. No hesitation. I mean, black and gold, you know, the mystique of the black and gold is strong. The mystique? Uh, It's an expansion club, Sean. The mystique of the black and gold is strong. Oh, kill me now. Oh, this is awful. Sean, come on, buddy. All right. Jake is not an LAFC fan, if you guys (laughs) can't tell. No. Uh, No, I I agree with you, though. I mean, I, I, I I do feel like this was a little bit of a moment lost. Uh, for for RSL, I don't know how much inquiry they made uh, with Christian Ramirez, but all reports, everything that I'm hearing is very little. Um, yeah. There may have been a little bit more behind the scenes that's that's not open, that's not in the air, that's not public. Uh, but but this is this is the type of player that RSL could really use. I mean, a true target striker, somebody mm-hmm. who knows how to create his own shot, uh, who works well with his own teammates, but isn't afraid to be the guy. Uh, up top, and someone who's naturally centered uh, in the attacking third, if you will. As good as Corey Baird has been, you know he's a he's a, a former attacking midfielder who played uh, on the attacking wing yeah. for most of his collegiate career, and now he's trying to be a center forward, and and he's doing a nice job of adapting. But you still see some of his winger instincts kick in every now and then. Absolutely. Um, so art. RSL doesn't really have that true center forward, and they just barely cleared up a whole bunch of cap space uh, with the sale of Alfredo Ortuño and then obviously freeing up that DP slot from the waiver of one Yuramov Sissian a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. So they had the space. I'm assuming that means they had the money. Finances obviously aren't public. Um, And this this just seems like a little bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And I get the RSLs being very um, careful, I guess, with how they evaluate uh, potential additions and whatnot. They don't want to. They don't want to stop the growth of their homegrowns. And Corey Baird is one of those homegrowns, even though he went to Stanford for for his collegiate career. But he is from the RSL Academy. He's played well, like you said, Sean. But getting a true target forward it just seems like a no brainer for this club. Maybe it'll be addressed in the off season. But I just have an issue that. Based on what we saw, um, the the numbers for the Christian Ramirez deal, I get that that's a it's a hefty price. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But if he produces, like you would expect a guy like like him to produce, fourteen goal season. When's the last time we've had our, an RSL player get double digit goals in a season? It's been three years now that we haven't seen a double digit goal season for an RSL player. I just think that the the front office may want to look a little bit harder. And there's one guy that's out there, Sean, that he's getting international attention. And I think that if ourselves should make a phone call at the very least and just inquire about what it might take to get him. And that's New England's Juan Agadello. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's another good good bet, another good opportunity. Uh, Real Salt Lake is also learning. Um, 
I shouldn't say learning, but but they've they've come to figure out that it is really hard to attract talent to the Salt Lake Valley. It's not a sexy destination a lot of times, and I think that's why they're building up their academy so well True. and as well as they are. Uh, maybe there is a little bit of that in terms of trying to sign upper tier MLS free agents or or even international and by international I really mean European signings yeah. is trying to bring those guys to Salt Lake City is a little bit more of a sell when you compare it to Los Angeles, New York, even Toronto which is becoming a little bit of an international hotbed mm-hmm. at the moment. I, uh, so so there are there are also those factors to play into it as well. Yeah, and I just I get that we all, we've all seen it with the Utah Jazz. We, we just the bright lights. They're not here in Salt Lake City for the most part. Let's be honest about Where's that. Where's that hashtag nightlife? Hashtag nightlife. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag nightlife. Good stuff there. But I just think a guy like Juan Agudelo, who's going to be out of contract at the end of this year, um, he, he's getting some interest, I believe, from um, Turkey and whatnot. I get that he's only had two goals and three assists and 18 appearances for England for New England, only eight of which have been starts. Um, but he's a center forward by trade. and I, I think that a club- that should also make him cheaper, though, right? Maybe I don't. Know. I mean, if he's not playing very yeah. much, yeah, you'd think so. I just think Agudelo is Juan Agudelo though. For a guy that has um, featured with the U.S. men's national team at one point in his career, was considered one of the young rising talents for the U.S. men's national team. I think a club like Real Salt Lake should at least make a phone call and inquire about that. I just think I just think that'd be my um, that'd just be my take on, on the situation. All right, Sean, we had a question sent in here that we do need to address, and I think it fits in here. Um, this comes from Drew. He tweets at the podcast. Um, he says, the, quote, you guys have, okay, do you guys have any thoughts about what RSL's plan for goalkeeper is when Romando's incredible career ends in the next few years? Who says it's going to end in the next few years? Goalkeepers can play into their 40s. Brad Friedel's the, the spitting image of that, playing in the Premier League to, what, 44, 45 years old? I Nick believe? Romano is the Tom Brady of MLS goalkeepers. I like it. He is the GOAT. So he there is, you go. They, they've got that in common. Yeah, so. They've got that in common. Okay, so. Nick Romano's not 41 yet, though. No, he's not. That's true. But Nick Romano, yeah, let's be honest. He is getting towards the end of his career. Yeah, right he's now. getting up there. He's, he's getting, getting up, up there in there. age, and it's just how it is. Sean, you and I, when we haven't recorded the podcast, you and I have discussed this topic actually multiple times without being prompted about it. I've, just, I've asked you what you thought. Well, let's put it this way. Currently, RSL is on what? Um, backup keeper number three on the season? Three or four, yeah. Three or four. <laughs> yeah, the, Monar- the Monarchs have played uh, five different goalkeepers. I believe, is it Leaker that's year. currently their featured yeah, keeper? Yeah, Jake He's Leaker. He's an academy guy. Jake Leaker is the starter because Andrew Putna just got called up because yeah. Connor Sparrow injured his knee who got, while playing for the Monarchs. Who then, but he was the third string behind Ethan Ethan Horvath or Alex Horvath. Alex Horvath, yeah. Who, yep. who blew, tore his Achilles. Blew that, well, they didn't blow out his Achilles. He tore his Achilles and he's done for the year. So, who um currently on the roster? <laughs> I don't know. And that's and that's the hard part is is you want to be able to transition from a seminal player, really a generational talent, yeah. uh, at any position, but in particular for for Salt Lake at this goalkeeper position, which has been so solid, so locked down mm-hmm. for years and years and years. Um, ever since uh, ever since Nick Romano came over from New York. Yeah. Technically. Yep, exactly. Not even really, but technically. Even though he wasn't <laughs> even there for more than a minute, uh, yeah. it seems like. Uh, but uh, so so transitions are really, really hard with generational players. And Real Salt Lake found that out, I think, with several players, notably Javier Morales, yep. um, trying to make a transition from a generational-type talent into what what they are or even what they hope to be. I'm not entirely certain that they're there yet. So they've been trying to find the next Nick Romano, the replacement for Nick, to Nick Romano for several years. Um, and I think for a while, for a while, a lot of people within the organization thought that next Nick Romano could be Connor Sparrow. Uh, Connor, yeah. Connor Sparrow is a guy who was a standout keeper at Creighton. Mm-hmm. He was a little bit older. He played four years yep. at Creighton. But because of that, he was able to mature and grow into his body and, and become sort of the athletic specimen that he became. Um, and, and somebody who was able to contribute on the USL level and even in spot duty um, on the MLS level yeah. 
really right away. There was very little learning curve with Sparrow. And it's unfortunate that this knee injury has set him back a little bit. Um, but if there is one club that is churning out goalkeepers that are good enough to play in MLS, it's Real Monarchs SLC. Yeah, I think I think that's been very well proven. So, yeah, if Connor Sparrow gets healthy, I think he he definitely could be the future. And you never know, Sean. They could go out and trade for somebody. They find a keeper that they like that maybe maybe a backup on another draft club. somebody. Draft there are, somebody. There are always five or six super draft keepers yeah, exactly. every year that yep. nobody's really paying attention to, but they ha- end up having really nice careers. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the best goalkeeper in the league is on Colorado's bench right now. So. <laughs> Hey, that'd be a nice pickup. That wouldn't be bad. But yeah, it's just I I think that Real Salt Lake needs to start planning for this, but they can't um put all of their eggs in one basket. They need to have a, a couple different options in case one doesn't pan out. Because as we've seen this year, Sean, injury can decimate a position real quick. And that's what's happened with Real with Real Salt Lake. The nice part is, like you said, Sean. If there's one club, one minor league affiliate, I don't, I don't want to say minor league affiliate, but one affiliate that's churning out talent that is proven capable, it's the Real Monarchs. So maybe they do have somebody in the pipeline that can take those reins eventually. Yeah, and I and I think they do. I I don't think there's going to be as much of an issue transitioning from the Nick Ramondo era. Yeah, there will be some growing pains. I mean, yeah. arguably the greatest MLS goalkeeper of all time. Is, is Ramondo. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, there will probably be some growing pains. Um, but I think I think that's why you're seeing these spot starts, these open cup starts, these mm-hmm. these uh, friendlies at Rio Tinto Stadium against, against top flight competition for these younger goalkeepers to kind of let them wet their feet and not be so shell-shocked when the day comes. Um, and it's now, as you mentioned, Jake, it's now a matter of when and not if. Yeah. Um, when the day comes that Romano finally says, you know what, it's it's time to move on. It's time yeah. to hang up the gloves. I will miss seeing all of Nick Romano's um, hanging out around Salt Lake. I hope he stays in Salt Lake. I don't know what his plan is. Still got a house here. Post-career, but I love seeing his... Kids are in school here. His, his Instagram stuff when he goes around. He, he's around the Salt Lake mm-hmm. area. He's very in, ingrained in the community. It's a lot of fun that way. Shout out to his boy, Jet. Absolutely, yeah. His boy Jet, yeah, absolutely. All right, Sean, um, before we take a break here, we do need to get to the, I guess, the big dog in terms of world soccer. That is the British English Premier League, not the British Premier League, the Barclays Premier League, so I was thinking of with the B there. It starts this weekend, Sean, the 2018-19 campaign for English supremacy. Of course, Manchester City, um, Record-breaking run last year when they won the Premier League. They rolled to the title. Uh, Mo Salah was the breakout last year with the Golden Boot, uh, just showing all kinds of ability for Liverpool. What are your um, your early read on the Premier League this year, Sean? What do you think we're going to see that maybe we don't expect? The Toffees are going all the way. Oh, come on. Really? No. You had to ruin it no. with that? No. No. I'm Everton, sorry. of course. I'm sorry. If you're new to the podcast, in terms of our Premier League teams that we support, Sean is a Everton supporter, long-suffering Evertonian. Loyal, long-suffering Evertonian. I am a Tottenham. Probably not changing anytime soon I'm in a terms t- of the long-suffering. <laughs> there you go. I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan, perennially on the edge of that top four finish. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Hey, good luck in the Europa League, though. Oh, shove it. Shove good luck in the it. Europa League. No, we made League. the Champions League this year. We finished top four last year. The question is... 2019 con- is a new season. Considering yeah. Tottenham didn't sign anybody, they, 20- legit- they legitimately have not signed That's us. That's why soul. they're headed to the Europa League. That's what I'm worried about. They're going to drop to like the fifth or sixth spot in the Europa League bound in 2019-2020. But, Sean, are we expecting Man City to repeat? Uh, yeah, you you know me, Jake. You know I love a little thing in life called sports betting. Mm. It is my habit. It is my vice. It is the love <laughs> of my life. You have a wife and children. Yeah. I have the sports book. Okay, fair enough. Um, so Manchester City currently opening up in uh, several UK-based and offshore accounts as five to eight favorites to win the Premier League. Holy smokes. That's pretty good. That's Insane. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Manchester United is at six to one odds, pretty close. So okay. Chelsea twelve to one. Uh, your beloved Tottenham Hotspur are fourteen to one to win the Premier League okay. title. 
uh, this it's year. Higher than I would put it, but that's just me. But uh, but there is one club that's on pretty decent odds, a little bit of an underdog. Um, but uh, but Soccermatics, which is a formula and algorithm developed by European football expert David Sumter, that has correctly picked Premier League games and seasons to the tune of two thousand percent over the last several years. Hold on, what? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Sheesh. Uh, the Soccermatics bot. Uh, reads current odds and all team performance data. Calculates this is from CBSSports.com. Yeah, okay. Calculates key metrics and predicts upcoming matches in the three seasons since since its inception. The soccer bot is up to an incredible two thousand percent on Premier League picks. Okay, so who are they? They picking? also crushed the twenty eighteen World Cup, predict, correctly predicting draws between Spain Russia, which was plus two eighty at the time, Croatia Denmark, which was plus two twenty five, and England Colombia, which was plus two fifteen. I draw. need I need access to this very quickly because yes. <laughs> so so uh, Sumter and Soccermatics predict four to one odds makers pick Liverpool to win the 2019 Premier League title. And it pains me to say it, but I I think the Reds have a good bet. Well, when you have Mo Salah on your side. Who is healthy. Yeah, who is healthy. He missed an entire game of the World Cup just to get healthy. Yeah, exactly. I don't mind that pick, honestly. A 4-1 to odds, that's you're getting decent odds, all things considered, for a favorite because 5-8 to odds is just insane. But yeah, there's no way anybody's making money on Manchester. City. No, yeah, but four to one odds, you can make a little bit of money. You're not going to make much, but wow, Sean, I'm not going to lie. So in terms of top four, that's kind of the prediction you make with with the Premier League before each season. I had Man City one, Liverpool two, Manchester United three, and Tottenham four. That's kind of my top four there. Showing your bias a little there. Why? What what bias am I showing? I think I think Chelsea probably sneaks into the champion, Champions League. Do you spot. think so though? Because Chelsea had a down. Okay, I guess I, I get the argument. Chelsea always seems to go boom bust, boom bust. They and bust for them means they make the Europa League. They finish fifth and okay, whatever. Which is an all time high for my club. For what it's worth. <laughs> Fair enough, but. I'm believing in my boys. I'm going to take Tottenham fourth, even though Arsenal and Chelsea are going to be nipping right on their heels. Leicester City. You're gonna, That's all I'm going to say. You're gonna, Leicester City. You, you big believer in Leicester? Leicester City. Okay. Hey, I like it. Um, of course, Leicester City. Probably not. Leicester City and Manchester United get things going. It's Friday, 1 p.m. Mountain Time. That is the first match of the Premier League season. Over uh, under two and a half goals on that one. Okay. Is that is that the odds? Is that what you're looking at right now? Uh, yeah. Okay. M- Manchester United is... Uh, is a uh, 1.5 favorite per this is per odd shark. Okay. Over there. Fair enough. Uh, 4.2 to sneak a draw out of that first game. Okay. Well, so Leicester and Manchester United's a big first opening weekend matchup. Another one is Sunday. Arsenal taking on Manchester City. Two heavyweights squaring off in the first match of the season. Um, any other matches you're looking at in particular, Sean, that, that stand out to you? I'm excited to see Fulham back in action. Fulham make, makes the leap back up to the Premier League finally. Newcastle also back up. They're facing Tottenham. I'll be watching that. I'm, just, I'm interested in that one. Before yeah, Fulham, reasons. the Cottagers opening up the Premier League season with Crystal Palace. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, am, I am looking forward to that game. Obviously, my beloved my beloved Toffees playing Wolves. For uh, the Wolverhampton first, Wanderers, yeah, for their first match of the season, so maybe finally actually start the year with a win. Maybe, hey, yeah, probably not. Probably not. Um, uh, second, my second favorite club, club close to my heart this year. The second, because everybody always has their second favorite club. Fair. I'm going to be following really closely uh, Brighton and Hove Albion. Yeah, it's a the, New, the newly, goals, right? Is the Seagulls goals? Yeah, the, or... yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, newly newly uh, promoted team though. Um, I think they could make. I'm not saying they're going to challenge for a title, a la Leicester City a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they could be the surprise new team of the year in the Premier League. Yeah, the other club that I'll be tracking Sean really closely this year is Fulham. I just I, I've always the, the Craven Cottagers have always been something I've always enjoyed watching, and we'll see what happens. Should be a fun year. Uh, the Premier League, of course. It rolls until in, until May, so long season gets underway, and we'll be tracking it for you here on Salt City FC. All right, Sean, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back uh, last timeout. Come back. We got added time, some of the final stories we got here. Um, sounds like one community, Sean, is trying to 
forced their way into the MLS expansion debate. We'll talk about that next right here on Salt City FC. back here on Salt City FC. Sean Walker, Jake Hatch sitting in here talking soccer. Uh, Sean, added time. Final thoughts as we wrap things up. It's been a fun conversation today. Uh, of course, Real Salt Lake winning last weekend as well as the Utah Royals. Some big matches for the Royals. Well, I guess for all three clubs, the Monarchs, the Royals, and RSL all have big matches this weekend. They all kind of look to establish themselves in their respective leagues. But Sean, in our final um, segment here, we talk about some of the stories that may have gone under the radar that we didn't hit on earlier in the podcast. Um, I, I teased before the break here. There is a community in this here country that is trying to force their way into the MLS expansion debate. Who would that be? That would be uh, my home state, my native Valley of the Sun, Phoenix Rising FC. Oh, let's be real. You're a Utah native. Come on. Born and raised in Phoenix. I'm joking. Born and raised in Phoenix. (laughs) I'm joking. Um, And uh, yeah, they just, they uh, sent out a statement uh, a little less than a week ago saying they express, quote, tremendous gratitude from uh, from the board and MLS Commissioner Don Garber and Deputy Commissioner Mark Abbott for meeting with us today and considering our updated proposal to uh, bring Phoenix Rising to Major League Soccer, blah, 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 a whole lot of boilerplate in there. But then they showed a, uh, then they showed a photo of the massive Phoenix Rising FC ownership group, okay. which includes a certain guy named uh, Didier Drogba. Didier Drogba. Something like that. Or Yeah, Didier Drogba, Didier former Chelsea Drogba. Star, star, obviously. He's a co-owner of that club okay. along with like seven other people. They're kind of the new Sacramento Republic in terms of how large our ownership group is. All right. Um, and uh, Jake, I got to say, I like this move. I would not be opposed, and maybe I'm biased, uh, but I would not be opposed to Phoenix getting in on Major League Soccer. I would be with you. I only worry about one thing, Sean. We already see 8 o'clock starts here along the Wasatch Front for matches because of the heat. What would Phoenix do to combat that? Are oh, they, you're going to have – I mean, they're going to have to play late. Don't, a dome stadium? Like, what do you do? Do you do, do, you do it – I mean – Do you do what University of Phoenix Stadium it does? Or do you play at University of Phoenix Stadium where you have the grass field that you roll out into the parking lot – but you play indoors. Or do you do what Atlanta United has done and maybe build a stadium that has a retractable roof? Well, uh, yeah. So you can pipe yeah, in air conditioning but also get the get the grass? That's not a bad idea either. I, I think that University of Phoenix Stadium in the short run, if they're able to work out something to play there, would be a good idea. You're their, playing. their current USL side, Phoenix Rising FC, does play in a uh, – they uh, – Quaintly call it a pop-up stadium, <laughs> so it can be easily quaintly called yeah, it. it can, I like that. It can be easily uh, yeah. rendered and then taken down and and yeah. moved around from year to year, if you will. Yeah, I, I think that's that. only like five thousand seats or so, but maybe you have a pop-up twenty thousand seat soccer-specific stadium. Okay, Sean, you can move to the cooler parts of the Valley of the Sun. I am with you. I I want to see more MLS teams in the western half of the United States. So I'm on board with Sacramento. I'm on board with Phoenix. Hell, I'm on board with New Mexico. Let's get a team in Albuquerque. Let's have some real fun. Let's get a team in Las Vegas. Let's let's fill up the western part of the United States because, well, we've got FC Cincinnati coming in. we got Miami coming in. we got Nashville coming in. Hmm, where are all those teams? All, oh, yeah. All teams that are based in the east. East yeah. of the Mississippi. Get teams out here in the West. Help with the television windows here in the here on the West Coast. Build up some regional rivalries. I think Salt Lake and Phoenix would have a good little natural rivalry, as they would with Southern California. I think it would be. I think Phoenix is a great destination. Yeah, and there aren't a whole lot of target markets out west. If we're being totally no, honest, there's not. I mean, Phoenix is probably the largest metropolitan area uh, that exists among those kind of Western expansion bids. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Diego's obviously been talked about. Sacramento, you can't you can't stop mentioning Sacramento. Yep. I think Vegas has kind of come in and out. Boise has even talked about it here and there. Okay. I don't know how much of a candidate they really would be, but maybe. Uh, but Phoenix is a it's a one of the larger metro markets in the 
uh, continental United States. Yeah. It's a four-team town. Mm-hmm. It's, it already hosts the four major sports. Yep. Say what you will about the Phoenix Coyotes or Arizona Coyotes now, I guess. Arizona Coyotes, um, yes. But uh, but they know so they know how to su- they know how to support professional sports franchises. Mm-hmm. Phoenix Rising FC is starting to pick up a little bit of steam, even though they play in the second division. Um, so I I don't think it's a bad move, and I think when you're talking about trying to balance what is becoming a in many ways a bloated major league soccer, you've got to think about bringing expansion clubs west. Yeah. To to try to help ba- that balancing act of so many teams in the east. I'm with you, Sean. I think the two the two cities in the West. I want to see teams in just selfishly Phoenix, Las Vegas. I think those two would be tailor made. And one other thing, I wouldn't mind seeing another team in Canada. But like you said, where they put them? Edmonton, Calgary, Ottawa, Winnipeg. I don't know. Cardston? Cardston, yes, Cardston, Alberta. Let's do that. No, I, I just don't I don't see that necessarily. So I'm with you. I think Phoenix and Vegas would be my two picks. I guess Sacramento would also be in the mix because Sacramento could build a nice little rivalry with San Jose in that Bay Area. Las Vegas, or more apropos, uh, Whitney, Nevada, unincorporated Clark County, if you will, yeah. is going to have a wide-open... 20,000-seat stadium available in a couple of years when UNLV football moves to the Las Vegas Stadium on the Strip to join with the Raiders. Hmm. That's all I'm saying. Interesting. That's all I'm saying. That would be interesting. Even yeah, though, Sam Boyd Stadium even is though currently about to go vacant. I think if a team were to go to MLS that were in Vegas, I think they'd want to play in that Raiders Stadium, get them right down on the Strip. That's just me. Over, over their own field? I, I, I think so. That's just Sam me. Sam Boyd would probably sell you that stadium pretty cheap. I'm sure they would. Talk. Pick up the phone. You got to put grass down, though, because Sam Boyd's um, turf, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's a hybrid. But you can deal with that. It's a hybrid. You can deal with Dig that. Dig it out. You can figure that out. Anyways, all right. We've we've talked a little too long here, I think. MLS expansion is always fun. I always find it fascinating where the league is going to go, what they're going to do. It'll be interesting. I was very surprised when the FC Cincinnati news broke that they were jumping in next year. But hats off to them. That ownership group has put a lot of money forward, and they deserve it. All right, Sean, my um, added time here is an interesting thing because it involves MLS ownership. Um, Stan Kroenke, of course, he owns the Los Angeles Rams in, in the NFL. He's, he's building— Oh, you mean the St. Louis Rams? Well, no, the Los Angeles Rams. They originally the Los Angeles Rams. They Never heard going of going back home. Where do they play again? They're playing in Inglewood. Well, no, where are they playing right now? Well, they're currently playing in um, the Coliseum there in L.A., so are they what the Col- so a professional football team plays in the Coliseum? Yes, exactly. Huh? So that's weird. Back to the point. Stan Kroenke, multi-billionaire, got lots of money. He owns the Los Angeles Rams. He's he building. He's building a phenomenal stadium down there in Inglewood, California, for his for his American football um, team. Well, he is going to be the sole owner of one Arsenal football club. In a matter of the near future, he is set to take full control of Arsenal after minority shareholder Alisher Usmanov has accepted a buyout offer from Stan Kroenke's company of his 30% stake in the deal of a a club that's valued at $1.8 billion. This had ended a decade-long battle between the two billionaires for control of Arsenal so Kroenke would now be the sole owner of Arsenal. He owns the Los Angeles Rams, and he also owns the Colorado Rapids in Major League Soccer. Here's my hope, Sean, as a Tottenham fan, that Arsenal does what Colorado has done in Major League Soccer when he takes full control. Is that a little brother mentality? That might, that might be a little Sh- petty. Shining through? That might be a little petty. No, but I, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I'll I don't forgive see, it. I don't see how Arsenal really does crater. They got in, in a, money. Now, in a business sense, uh-huh. in a business sense, this is a really interesting move because by taking full control of the company now, Kroenke can essentially take Arsenal out of being a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. Um and there are now issues with transparency that could come with this because they're no longer going to be accountable to a board of governors. Yep. They're no longer going to um, necessitate annual or semi-annual yes. public meetings yep. that deal with the club's finances and the club's future. Um, it's now going to rest, for all intents and purposes, uh, squarely on the shoulders of Kroenke. 
Yeah, it's one man's hands. Like, yeah. He uh, controls it all. So, yeah, so whether he craters or whether that stock soars, which I know you don't like hearing this as a Spurs fan, Jake, but it is Arsenal. One day they're going to soar again. Um, it's, that's all pretty much on stand yeah, the man. Exactly. So this guy has a lot of money. He's made his money. He married money. And he's spending a lot more money. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, I, I'm being petty and hoping the Arsenal were to crater and not do so well in the Premier League. They're just they're, – they're a team that has got too much of a rep. But it is it is very concerning. I, I, for fans, Sean, of Arsenal that have hold, held public shares of this, well, Stan Kroenke can essentially say, hey, guess what? Your opinion is null and void. Give me that share and, and hit the road, Jack. That's the, and that's the tough yeah. part. That yeah. is the tough part for for a fan of this club that is has had a piece of this club that they legitimately have owned. So it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Um, all right, so there you go. Um, any final thoughts from you, Sean? Before we wrap things up here, uh, get out to either Rio Tinto Stadium Wednesday night for Utah Royals FC and the Washington Spirit, um, or go to Harriman Royal Monarchs hosting Reno eighteen sixty eight. That could also be another really fun one. Um, and then this Saturday, a doubleheader at the Riot. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say the doubleheader. A one thirty a kickoff for the Royals, followed by an 8 p.m. kick for Real Salt Lake. I believe it's the only doubleheader at home this year for the two clubs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it would be a good opportunity to pack that stadium for uh, Utah Royals FC. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. All right, yeah, I encourage you. I'm with you, Sean. Go out and support the teams. should be a lot of fun. We will be back next week reacting to everything that happens. Uh, we'll have Premier League action happening. We'll be looking at the MLS race. Maybe some final um, transfer day trades have gone through in the MLS. We'll talk about that. As well. Oh, I say the MLS? I just committed a cardinal <laughs> sin. Oh, no. Forgive me. Everybody that's listened this far in the podcast, forgive me. I just pulled one of the things that I legitimately despise. Uh, breaking news here on the Salt City FC podcast. Salt City FC is currently uh, shopping the rights to Jacob C. Hatch. <laughs> should. After that faux pas, that was awful. I apologize for the snafu. He's no longer a de- uh, designated player. We have bought down his salary with Tam. So. You should have. So All right. We'll we're done. Make us an offer. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Make us an offer.